Hello, everyone. Welcome to God Talk with Tara. And Tara, we're going to go ahead and pray and we're going to listen for what God wants us to say and hear and be tonight. Father, we thank you so much for your word, for your love, for your light, for the invitation, Lord, to come into your presence and to be still and know that you are God, to open our ears and our hearts and our minds to listen for your voice and to know you, Lord God, to hear you. Father, we ask tonight that you would make me small, that you would make Jesus large. Father, I pray that my voice would fade and yours would rise. Your word tells us that your sheep know your voice. Lord God, may your voice ring in the ears of your people tonight. Father, let the... the timber of Tara be taken away and instead father let the I am who calls to us and names us and delivers us let your voice be heard father we thank you for all that you do and all that you are we ask in Jesus name and by your spirit and all for your honor and glory Lord amen so as I usually do and haven't been doing for the last week because I've been out of town. Um, my son Kenneth and I were reading the wake-up call this morning and I am always delighted with the wake-up call. We are in the middle of a Lent study. I think I might have mentioned that before. It's written by Dan Wilt instead of our normal um, inimitable J.D. Walt. Dan is awesome. Actually, I quite love reading his work. It's different than JD's. And right now we're in the middle of a deep dive of Jesus in the wild. We're slow walking through Luke chapter four, verses one through three, and really looking at the components of, of the beginning of this story of Jesus. After his baptism, he goes out into the wilds and, um, Today, I've, I've actually missed a lot and need to go back through last week and catch up. But today we landed on the devil said to him. And Dan went into what was going on there, that the devil began to speak in the same way that he speaks to us. That now... Dan says that scholars, including N.T. Wright, whom I absolutely love, um, do make note that this is likely not a physical manifestation of the devil. Now, I don't necessarily read anything in the text that would indicate that. It is simply a voice in his head. I don't actually know and I can't actually say. And that's sort of a side trip. I do believe that we see physical manifestations sometimes of the demonic, but I also believe that the devil whispers in our ear quite frequently, either through thoughts in our own mind or through the words of other people. So I'm not disagreeing with Dan's assessment here and where he went with this, but basically the story he was putting together here is that The Satan, the accuser, the enemy of our souls, is always looking for ways 
to insinuate himself into our minds and into our thoughts and to separate us from God. And it's important for us to recognize his voice just as we recognize the voice of God. Now, we don't need to recognize the voice of Satan in the same way, actually, that we recognize the voice of God. Because when we recognize the voice of God, when, when Jesus says, my sheep know my name or know my voice, what he is meaning is that we know and respond in obedience and love to his voice. Because he is our Lord, he is our Savior, he is our Redeemer, he is our beloved, because we are his beloved, right? We love because he first loved us. And so we respond to the voice of God as we hear the voice of God, however we hear the voice of God, with love and adoration, worship, and obedience. That is how we are, are supposed to respond. And this is the voice we know as God's voice. And the better we know God's voice, the better able we are to identify the voices that are not God. And that is what I mean when I say that we have to recognize the voice of the Satan, the accuser, the enemy of our souls. Because he will frequently sound like our own thoughts. He will sound like um, the mom tapes is what one of my friends used to call it. Where it is every bad thing that an important person in your life has said to you over all of the years that dwell in the back of your mind to tell you who you used to be instead of the voice of God telling you who you are. All of us have those voices, by the way. It might have been a teacher that really didn't like you. It might have been a parent that was really broken and caused a lot of harm along the way. It might have been a sibling. It might have been a spouse that was very abusive or just, again, very broken. It could have been any number of people or it could have just been the devil whispering in your ear. We all have a voice in our mind or a voice in our life that speaks death over us, that speaks evil over us, that speaks anxiety and fear and loneliness, worthlessness and hopelessness into our lives. I don't believe that there is a single person ever, including Jesus, that did not have some kind of voice that spoke that into them. And the reality is, is there are more voices that speak things like that into our lives than there are voices that speak Jesus to us. We live in a world that is so filled with noise. That noise ranges everywhere from simple distraction to draw our attention away from God and away from those we love to downright wickedness to undermine who we are and who we are supposed to be um, to voices that tell us that the world is so overwhelmingly wicked and dark and evil that there is no longer hope and that we should just give up. 
I love the way that Dan puts this in the end of his, um, his text today. He says that the enemy has something to say about your life and will manipulate your thoughts and feelings to get his evil point across that you are worthless and unloved. And nothing could be further from the truth. Any voice that speaks to you and tells you that you are worthless is hideously demonic at the root. And it is the opposite of the loving blessing the Father speaks over your life. And like Jesus, let's answer with the enduring word of God when the devil speaks. And so that's where I landed tonight. Many years ago, when I was wandering from the church that I had been part of for nine years, growing in faith and chasing God, where I had received a call to preach, but had never act, acted on that yet, um, where I had learned to be a disciple and to teach disciples and to explore the word of God, to develop ministries, to to love people. Um, there came a time when the Lord uprooted us from that place that we had been for so long, but he didn't yet move us away from Georgia. And so we landed in another church. And in that church, I found myself without a lot to do. Instead, I was put in a position of joining groups, which was not always my strong suit, um, especially because one of them was very much a women-based group. Um, but that was how they mm, enveloped people into their family there. That was how they, they drew people into the family of their church before you came to a place of being able to serve. They wanted you to get to know them first and they wanted to get to know you first. And so they made a way for you to do that. So they had what they called DNA groups and city groups. And I will never forget the experience I had in those groups. That was the first time ever that I actually liked a group of women. Not that I'd never liked actual, you know, just individual women before that, but that was the first time that I, I understood the value of being in a group of women um, because it wasn't what I had always experienced a lot of times in women's groups where it was very shallow um, and the teaching was very shallow. Instead, it was a group of women who loved each other well and learned each other's lives and took care of each other when things were going on, um, that prayed together, that watched over their children together, that brought each other meals when someone was sick, that offered to come and help clean each other's houses when something was coming up. This was a group of women who modeled Christian community and who were very honest and vulnerable with their genuine struggles in life. Um, I have never grown to know a group of people so well so quickly. I have never 
been so honest so fast with people and I have never been so blessed. Um, well, that's probably not true. I had been blessed in other ways, but it was a unique kind of blessing because it built the idea of community. And the city groups amplified that through not just women, but they were everybody coming. Um, and we would gather and eat and pray for one another and talk about each other's lives, but pointing to Jesus in the process. Now, the reason I mention this is that one of the struggles that we have as people, and one of the struggles that I have always seen among God's people is that we forget who we are. We forget whose we are. We forget that God has a lot to say about who we are. And as I was reading over the, the wake up call today, that was one of the things that came to mind is that if we are going to answer the devil, when he speaks to us with the enduring word of God, we need to actually know what the scripture says about who we are. And I went hunting back for a series of daily devotions that I had written for our, our women's group for a little while there that focused on that concept of what does the scripture say about who we are? So tonight, I'm not, I'm not going to do some real long sermon and exposition of these, of these verses. What I am going to do is give you several passages of scripture, because here's the thing. We're in a time when the world will tell us daily how terrible and worthless and unloved we are. We all feel isolated and alone. We are constantly having things trying to pull our families apart, pull our friendships apart, get between us and polarize us, set us against each other and turn us into tribal um, factions that are incapable of loving each other well. As we see splits in the United Methodist Church and other churches that are coming at the moment, that is only growing worse. And that is not to say that I believe that the, the split that's happening there and others that will come are not necessary. They are. But split does not need to lead to bitterness and anger and hurt and resentment and tribalism, which is what so frequently happens. And what I can see happening now, because the devil will come in and whisper in your ear about those people, just as surely as he will come and whisper in your ear about how worthless and terrible you are. So tonight, I want to look at these scriptures that I was looking at those many years ago. And I want to remember some of the names that God calls us so that as we walk through this week and we walk through the days ahead and we hear the enemy whispering to us in the darkness and in the deep times and in the days when we are in the wild and feeling alone, when we are overwhelmed, when we have failed and fallen flat on our face, or when we are very successful in looking to fall into our pride, I want to remember the words that God has given us to describe who we are. So I'm going to look at Colossians 3, but I think I might look at that one last. Mm, there we go. 
So we're going to look at Colossians 3, verse 12. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We're going to stop there, which I find really funny because we stopped, I think it was Saturday, um, just short of the wives submit to your husband's admonition in one of the other letters. Um, that's not that I don't want to have that conversation. It's just not where the Lord is going at the moment. Um, so in this passage, I want us to, I, I, I continued reading all the way to the end of that paragraph because it touches on what I was just talking about, those fractures and the tribalism within the church, that because we are God's chosen ones, so that's one of the things, the names that God calls us. He calls us chosen. He calls us holy, set apart for God. And he calls us beloved, loved by God. So we are chosen by God. We are set apart for God. And we are loved by God. And because of that, because of those things, we are to be compassionate and kind and humble and meek and patient. And we are to forgive one another. We are to love one another because it is in that love that we are bound together in harmony. Even when there is disagreement and complaint and things that need to be forgiven. That the peace of Christ will be able to rule in our heart our hearts because of that. We are to be thankful because we are chosen and holy and beloved. And the word of Christ is supposed to dwell in us richly to teach and admonish one another. And I love this, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And because we are chosen and holy and beloved, Everything we do, whatever we speak, whatever we act, however we are, we are supposed to do this in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And I want you to hear something on that real quick, because one of the things is we, we have this tendency of we want to do the thing we want to do, and then we slap the Lord Jesus's name on it. You know, something along the lines of I want a really big house. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Um, now, I say that not tongue-in-cheek. I have my house very much because I prayed for it and the Lord gave it. And that was very much an answer to prayer. But it's not because I wanted a big house. It was, it was for his own reasons. And he knew very well that I would have been content with whatever he chose to give. 
when we talk about doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, whatever word or deed comes out of our mouths, it leads us to a different name that, that God has given us. Um, and I'm going to read this whole, this whole passage here real quick because there are several names in it, but the one that connects back to the Colossians is, is from second Corinthians chapter five and verse 20. He, Paul says, we are ambassadors for Christ. And God is making his appeal through us. So one of the things we have to remember when we do things as though we were doing them to the Lord, whether that is in our words or our deeds, is that means that we are representative of Jesus Christ in the world. And Jesus Christ is in those around us. In other words, as we act toward our fellow believers, the other holy, beloved, set apart chosen ones of God, it is important for us to recognize that the Jesus that is in us through the Holy Spirit is the same Jesus that is in them through the Holy Spirit. And as we serve them, we are serving our Lord Jesus Christ. As we love them well, we are loving the Lord Jesus Christ. As we speak grace to them and we speak correction to them. We are speaking to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the Lord Jesus Christ does not need our teaching and correction, but he does need a right attitude in our heart that that correction or teaching comes from a place of humility and meekness and love and grace that serves the Jesus in our fellow believers. So we need to have that understanding of who we are, that we are ambassadors for Christ. Now, we are ambassadors for Christ, not just to our fellow believers. So we are ambassadors to our fellow believers, but we are primarily ambassadors because ambassadors usually go out to another kingdom from the king, right? So our fellow believers are part of the kingdom of God. As ambassadors for Christ, we are going out into a world that does not know God, a kingdom that is under a different rule, still under the authority of God, but is under a different rule currently. And so we go as ambassadors of the kingdom of God, the kingdom that is coming, the kingdom goes with us, embassies, embassies are considered to be the sovereign territory of the kingdom that they represent. Ambassadors carry that sovereign kingdom with them where they go. So we are ambassadors for Christ carrying the kingdom of God with us. It's very important for us to recognize that so that whatever we do and say is done as though it was done to our Lord Jesus Christ because we are representatives of him in the world and to one another. So we're going to read the rest here of 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20, because there's a couple other names in here that you want to pay attention to. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, 
not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So there we have two other names. We have new. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. He has made you new. All of that old junk that you carried around with you that the devil whispers in your ear and reminds you of to tell you how unworthy and worthless and unlovable you are. Every bit of it has passed away. It doesn't have control of you anymore. It doesn't have its stain on you anymore. Under Christ, the new has come and the old has passed away. More than that, more than that, you have been reconciled to God through Christ. That through the blood of Christ, through the atonement of Christ, through the advocacy of Christ before the Father, you have been reconciled to God. You're no longer separated from him. You have been liberated to be in union with God through Jesus and the Holy Spirit, to be in union with God as a new creation, as his chosen one, his holy one, his beloved, his child. I don't think I have the child verse up. I should have grabbed that one, but I don't think I did. Um, and with that, you've been given that message of reconciliation for the rest of the world that God is trying to reach. So as you are ambassadoring, <laughs> um, as you are representing Christ in the world, as you are going into the dark places, as you are reaching out to those who are lost in sin, who are trapped in the whispers of the lies of the devil and his demons, you will come into places where you will be attacked, where you will be at risk, where you will be vulnerable, where you will recognize wickedness, you will call it out, you will cast it out, and it will put its slimy hands on you. And Jesus had a prayer for that. And I want to say that there's actually two words of, of who we are in this too. And the reason for that is this is part of the high priestly prayer that Jesus prayed for his disciples and for those that would come after them, that would believe because of them. And the reason this is important is you have to understand Jesus, when he prays, it is a promise. Jesus doesn't go to the Father and pray and ask him to do something and it not be done. The one and only time we do not see Jesus have his prayers answered is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And that is because Jesus did not actually pray for God to stop the crucifixion. He cried out to God of his dismay and his distress at what was coming and the knowledge of what was coming. He asked that if it was possible, if there were any other way, that God would take that cup from him. 
And then he prayed, thy will be done. And Jesus's prayer was answered. So in other words, if, then, if it was possible, then let this cup pass. But if it is not possible, then your will be done. And that is what we see with Jesus. Jesus's prayers were always answered. So as we look at John, we're looking at, let's see, I think it's, okay, John 17, verses 15 to 17. Jesus is praying and he says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your the truth. Your word is the truth. So Jesus makes two names for us here. The first is kept. We are kept by God. We are kept by God the Father. In other places in scripture, it's we are hidden in the shadow of his wings. We are hidden in Christ. He is our strong fortress. We are kept by God the Father. We are protected. We are provided for. We are loved. And we are kept. And that second one is sanctified. We are being made holy through the power of Jesus's prayers for us. We are being made holy. Now, other places we know that part of that is that the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us and he will lead us into all truth. His word is the truth. Sanctify us in the truth. Lead us in the truth so that we may speak truth when the devil tries to lie. So that we may speak truth into the world. So as we are sanctified, it strengthens our ability to be able to speak truth to the devil when he whispers lies to us. We have more and more to be able to say it is written. It is written that I am chosen, that I am holy, that I am beloved, that I am reconciled to God. I am made new. I am an ambassador for Christ. And I've come to tell you that your kingdom has fallen. His kingdom is coming. I am beloved of God. And I am sanctified and being made holy. I am kept in perfect peace because I know the peacemaker. I know the Prince of Peace and he calls me his friend. There's another one I don't have the verses up for. He calls me his friend. He calls me his bride. He calls me his beloved. He calls me an heir to all of heaven's glory. So there's one more that I want to look at, um, and this is in Galatians. And I really do want to look at this one because of all of the names, of all of the names, of all of the names that God gives me and that God gives to you, this is my favorite. Mm. Oh. Uh-oh. It is my favorite, but I'm thinking I may not have found the right uh, verse. That's not good. Give me just a minute. Let me see if I can pull that up. Mm. Okay. 
Hmm. Ah, that is, there we go. There we go. All right. So Galatians chapter four, verses one to five. I mean that the heir, there that is, we are heirs, as long as he is a child is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. So we have heir and child and sons in there that are beautiful words for who we are. The devil cannot take away our right to heaven. That is not within his power. We are co-heirs with Christ and seated at the right hand of the God, the Father, with him. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God through what Jesus did. But my very favorite word for who I am is redeemed. That God sent forth his son to redeem those who are under the law. To buy us back to break the bonds of slavery to the elementary principles of the world, to sin, to sickness, to fear, to anxiety. He came to redeem us out of the power that the fallenness of creation holds over mankind, to set us free. We are no longer slaves to sin, is how Paul would put that in another place. Instead, we are slaves to righteousness. We are slaves to God. We are redeemed. We are ransomed. We are bought back and delivered. And though we are slaves to God as a result, because we are made, <laughs> we are made to be slaves to God. Um, though we are slaves to God, he is not. He is not a slave master. That's what this passage is looking at. Though we have been bought by God, we have been redeemed by God, we have been bought back at a price. Instead of treating us as slaves, when we come to him willing out of our own volition because we love him and because he's called us and because we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord, then he invites us instead not to be his slave, but to be his friend, his family, his child. That's you, beloved. I love my friend Dorcas Beth Andrews uh, on Facebook. She's constantly calling us beloved because that's who we are and we need to remember. You are redeemed. You are no longer a slave to sin. Whatever it is that holds you, whatever it is that the devil whispers you will never get over, that you can never get past, that you can never be free of, he is a liar. 
He is a liar. And the word of God says that Jesus Christ came to redeem you and set you free. Walk in those words tonight. Go find other ones. Find the words that promise you who you are in God. It's important that you have those words written on your heart, written in your mind, that you have read them so that when you need them in the dark night of the soul, as, uh, as Dan puts it, when you need them, they'll be there. When the devil whispers, you can rebuke him and brush him off and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus where they belong. Father God, thank you so much for the names that you call us. They're so much better than the names that the world calls us. Lord, we thank you that though we are unworthy in and of ourselves, that your love makes us worthy that your sacrifice lord god puts value on us because you loved us because you chose to call us out of darkness because you chose to reconcile and redeem your creation father thank you thank you for your son and thank you for your spirit that comes and sanctifies us and reminds us lord god of who we are thank you for your word lord that tells us who we are. I pray, Father, that every person here tonight, that you would instill deep, deep in them, Father, the absolute certainty that they are your beloved, that they are chosen and holy, Father God, that they are reconciled and made new, that they are ambassadors for you in the world, that they are sanctified and being sanctified daily, Father, and that they are redeemed, children of God, heirs of heaven, and co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for your words, and I thank you for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed and be a blessing.